Hey there, thank you for tuning in to the One Organized Mama podcast. My name is Janelle and I am One Organized Mama. Have you ever heard the term, you're getting too big for your britches? This is something that's been sort of reverberating in my head recently, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But we're on episode 67, and in this episode, I'm going to be going over some of the more common awkward situations and or uncomfortable situations that we can sometimes find ourselves in as professional organizers and from personal experience how I handled those issues because I've been through all of them. So again, they're from personal experience. So just kind of what I've learned through the years, what I did to handle some of these and tackle some of these situations and turn them into what sometimes is awkward in the beginning into totally not a big deal, handled it like a pro kind of situation. So why am I feeling like I'm a little too big for my britches lately and I keep having my grandfather's voice in the back of my head? Well, awkward situation number one. This is when you put yourself out there, you go out there, you say, start a podcast, for instance, or you put yourself out there as a professional organizer in the world. And at first, you're kind of struggling a little bit with with what they call imposter syndrome. That's something that I've talked about before, where you sort of have this doubt inside of your head of like, why am I doing this? Do I even know what I'm doing? And questioning everything that you're doing and why you're putting yourself out there. But once you sort of gain a little confidence, that eventually does start to go away. Now, I've discovered having the podcast that I'm sort of in this like new realm, this new area. I do, I've done the podcast for, I think I'm coming up on two years now, and I never had any idea of how many people a podcast could reach. I love listening to podcasts. I listen to them almost every single day. And so I just thought like, why not do one on my own and see what happens? And so it was definitely sort of like an experiment in the beginning. But what I did do, looking back, I kind of made a little bit of a mistake in the beginning. And if you've listened to earlier episodes or probably not even going back that far, I said, hey, if you have questions, send me a DM, send me an email, I'll respond. And that was great when I had like a handful of listeners and not that many downloads. But as I continue to grow the podcast, so does my following. And so I have these wonderful messages from people literally all across the globe now. And so people have reached out to me, and I'm not talking even like hundreds. I mean, let's keep it real here. It doesn't even have to be hundreds for you to feel like you're getting a little too big for your britches. It could be 20, it could be 40, it could be 60 people. But if you are a one-person show and you're having to deal with, say, 25 messages a week, that can get a little time-consuming. So uh, again, I'm, I'm keeping it real here, but it's actually part of the reality of growing and putting myself out there in this forum. So again, earlier episodes, I've invited people, hey, send me a DM, follow me on Instagram, send me an email, I'll respond. And I didn't realize that people really were going to send me emails and DMs. So what I've had to do recently, because I am getting a little too big for my britches, as my grandfather would say, is I actually had to bring on a team, a very part-time team, but a team that helps me sort of keep up with everything. Because guess what I was doing? Not responding to people because I was getting a little overwhelmed. I mean, it's a little overwhelming when people are like, hey, I just need to pick your brain about a few things. And I really want to kind of dive in and give them all of my information and attention and everything that's kind of in my brain to help them out. It's a little bit of the people pleaser in me. So I don't know when you're listening to this podcast episode. So what I encourage you to do, because I really do care about my listeners, I really do want to be there for you guys. 
go to my website. So it doesn't matter at what point in time you're listening to this. Go to my website. I'm trying to stay on top of it. I've been doing much better recently and letting you know on how you can connect with me. Because maybe you don't actually want to talk to me at all. Maybe you just need to take one of my classes or maybe you want to advertise your business or I do offer from time to time one-on-one coaching. It's something that I offered earlier in the in the year. Things got a little nuts for me, so I pulled back on it and it's something that I've put out there again. So check on my website, see if I'm offering the one-on-one coaching. You can sign up, pay all on my website and I'm trying to always work out the kinks with that as well. But it's actually working really, really well. I've had some fantastic sessions with one-on-one coaching with other professional organizers all across the country. And so I'm hoping to actually bring um, a few of them on as podcast guests in the near future. So you guys have to keep listening. So anyway, when you get a little too big for your britches, just embrace it. Just, Just sort of revel in it. And also start to look to see where you can hire some of your weaknesses, some of where are your weak spots at. So for instance, mine was getting into Instagram getting into my emails and actually getting a response out to all of the people who took time to send me a message. So um, definitely just embrace it. It's all part of growth. Growth can be sometimes a little bit uncomfortable and a little awkward. Remember those days when you would go through a growth spurt as a kid and your pants would get a little too short for your legs? That's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm in like the awkward growth phase of this podcast. So just stick with me on this. I'm super grateful for all of you who take the time to listen and especially take the time to reach out to me. But if you send me a DM or an email, you're going to get a response back from one of my team members. But always go again, check out my website, oneorganizedmama.com, and I'll have the latest offerings that I that um, I have available to you on there. I'll keep up with it. Okay, so what other stuff do you encounter as a professional organizer that can be a little awkward, uncomfortable? Well, let's talk about this one. How about getting paid? How about getting people to pay you and collect money? That can be awkward. And actually, I think this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners struggle with um, in general. And I I don't want to generalize, but like, I will generalize. If you're a people pleaser, this might be especially kind of difficult for you because especially when you're first starting out, you you just want the business. You just want the experience. You're just happy if someone acknowledged that you have a business. So... Like with me in the beginning, I mean, I gave the farm away for free. I, I mean, really struggled with people pleasing early on. And so I had to learn the hard way on how to ask for money, how to ask for what I'm worth and stand there with the confidence to do that. So a few tips on that. If you struggle getting paid, if you struggle and feel super awkward asking people for money, here's what I want you to hear me say. Number one, when someone asks you, how much do you charge? Tell them and don't justify it. So for instance, when I was working as a professional organizer, we had a four hour package for $199. I would get a call. Somebody would ask, how much do you charge? I would say our four hour package is $199. Period. That's it. I don't have to justify. I don't have to, but you know, anything. You just simply state it and you say nothing. You wait for them to respond back. Again, that's something that I had to learn through a lot of experience um, because I was giving all kinds of discounts and I got tired of doing it because you will get burned out pretty quickly. Because yeah, people, I mean, I'm, I'm do the same thing. Sometimes I'm just looking for the cheapest thing when I need something. And so the only thing that I care about is how little I can pay to get what I need. So we all do it in some form, but try not to make your business be about that. Try it, especially if you are really good at what you do, you're 
a really hard worker. Definitely know your value. Don't apologize for it and don't justify your value. You don't need to. Just state your price and that's what it is. The other thing that I want to cover under getting paid, because money can be such an uncomfortable topic for so many, is this. You have to teach your clients how to treat you right from the start. So for instance, when I coach professional organizers and they'll say, you know, hey, look, how do you ask for money? Like, at what point do you tell your your client, like, get out your credit card, it's time to pay? So this is what I always, always encourage professional organizers to do. When you've booked that job, I want you to walk your client through what they can expect for from you. So for instance, if you have next Tuesday scheduled at 9 a.m., you're going to let them know, I'm going to arrive about 8.50 in the morning. I'll be ready to go at 9. And so that way you're all set up and you're ready and you're starting the job at 9. Go through what that sort of looks like. You don't have to go through every step, every moment, but just kind of give them an idea what they need, etc. Then I would tell them, and the last 15 minutes of our session... I'm going to get you, we're going to go over our progress for the day. While I'm cleaning up, I'm bagging the trash, taking out the trash and the donations. That'll give you an opportunity to go grab whatever form of payment. Here are the forms of payment I accept. And then we'll finish up our session and then we'll be done. And so before you've even started work, you've already trained your client that they're going to pay you at the end of every session. And unless you pay, uh, or excuse me, unless you uh, have large packages where they can pay ahead, I would collect after every single session. Don't let someone have you work for them for a week and say, oh, I'll pay you on Friday. Don't do it. I promise you, it'll be really, really tough to get that payment at the end of the week. They should really be paying at the end of the first session. All right. So sounds great, but still can be a little bit awkward. So you go through the session and maybe it's just still very uncomfortable. You just got in a weird whatever conversation with them or you just simply forgot and you forgot to get paid and you get in the car and you're driving down the street and you're like, oh, I forgot to get money. That's okay. Here's what I want you to do. As soon as you get home, I want you to send them an invoice. So it can be just something as simple as, hey, completely forgot to collect payment at the end of our session. Here is an invoice. And you should have some sort of um, invoice collecting system. Is that a, is that a word like QuickBooks or Square or something like that set up for your business? And that way it collects it. Yes, it has a fee, but that's the price of doing business. But definitely have something that you can send them that looks professional with your logo, your name on it. Send them an invoice and let them know how you can pay or they can pay. Now, say their session is the very next morning. I still want you to do this. I want you to get in the habit of making sure your clients pay you on time. Again, it's about you training your clients how to treat you. So send them the invoice still, even though you're going to see them tomorrow morning. And then take a printed copy of the invoice And that way, when you arrive at 8.50 in the morning, you're going to present the invoice to them if they haven't paid and say, hey, let's go ahead and take care of this right now and today's session. And then that way, when I'm done, we have all the payment handled for, for your sessions. So again, it's definitely something that you want to train your clients to do, to respect you. Again, it's true. You have to sometimes teach people how to treat you. So... Don't discount yourself, don't work for free, and don't get super awkward. You don't have to justify um, your rates, and again, coming from personal experience. Okay, the next awkward thing. What happens when you are working alongside a client? I'm using a specific example in mind. And you're literally sitting side by side, having a wonderful conversation with your client, your arm reaches in the cabinet, pulls out a box, you open the box and it's a very personal item. How do you handle it? How do you handle unusual items that you encounter 
with working with clients. Well, in that particular situation, we had an organizer that encountered that. And I'll let you use your imagination on what that item could be. Because again, we're working in client homes, we've been invited in their home, and they do deserve privacy, and they deserve your respect. So this client in general, we had a little bit of a chuckle about it just because of the awkwardness of the situation. But honestly, she handles it beautifully. She didn't even blink an eye. She took it out. The client saw it. She saw it. She, without missing a beat, she put it right back and then just kept the session going. Didn't draw any attention to it whatsoever. So again, remember, we're going to encounter all different kinds of stuff in client homes. Clients are definitely, definitely deserving of 100% privacy. I'm not even telling you this client's name. I'm not even going to tell you what the item was. But out of respect for the clients, just keep the session going. Don't, Don't bring it up. Don't draw attention to it. Just keep it going because if you were to draw attention to it, it could kind of maybe put your client in a weird situation and you might not get called back no matter how beautifully of a job you've done for them. So we definitely don't want to embarrass our clients. But let's take that just like a little step further. And what about items that can be sort of controversial? So when I had a team of organizers, I had um, different ones that had very strong opinions about marijuana use, um, and also guns um, in the home. And so here is just basically what it comes down to. You are a small business owner. You don't have to take on every single client. Um, If I had an organizer who felt very strongly about an item then I didn't force them to go back. I didn't make them go in. And so you just have to use your best judgment. Is that client really worth it to you to see XYZ in their home? Completely up to you. You can just finish a session with them and then you can always just come up with a a reason why you're unable to go back. A lot of times that reason can just be your calendar is full and you're not able to accommodate them. So again, you just have to use your best judgment. Is it worth it to you? I'll be honest, for me, I mean, I saw just about everything. And so whether I agreed with it or not, I could just kind of like, whatever, and keep the session going. I was just happy to have the work. And there wasn't a whole lot of stuff out there that I would say no to as far as organizing. Because again, People have different things in their home. They have, you know, everybody has different ideas about everything. But there was one situation we did encounter where there could have been illegal activity going on. And so, and I've said it many times, I'll say it again many times because it's so important. Your safety is always paramount. So we had a situation where one of my organizers went out on an assessment. She thought she saw some like very strange signs in this home. I mean, like it was kind of along lines of almost like possibly human trafficking. It was very, very odd. Um, And so she had no idea what to do. So obviously not a job that we're going to take. We, um, she reported what she saw, encouraged her to call the authorities, report what she saw. And that was the end of it. We're not, we don't need to investigate. We don't need to follow up. Just leave it to be where the authorities can follow up with it. But definitely, definitely don't put yourself in any kind of tricky or unsafe situations. If the little hairs on the back of your neck stand up, that's probably for good reason. So just, again, it's not worth your time. It's not worth your money. And it's certainly not worth your well-being or safety to ever put yourself in a very weird situation or take those chances. Okay, the next kind of awkward or weird situation is unwanted attention. So I have kind of a famous story of a client I worked with for years who liked to smell my clothing. And she just, I don't really know what was going on. I will say I let this go on way too long. And thank goodness for my husband who sort of intervened. It was like, what is going on? You're not going back. Enough is enough. 
So sometimes there's some kind of unwanted attention. Sometimes we do really kind of connect with our clients and that can be a wonderful thing. But just a few things to remember when it comes to sort of the attention that you get from your clients. Number one, as a small business owner, your business is only as good as your reputation. So just be very mindful of that. I think it's always safe to say, just keep a very professional demeanor about you, a very professional presence when you're in someone's home and organizing. You don't ever want to get caught up in any kind of weird or sticky situation. If someone's giving you very flattering comments, it's fine to say thank you and keep it as simple as that and keep things moving along. Now, again, that being said, if the unwanted attention becomes very uncomfortable your safety is always priority. Definitely, definitely get yourself out of that situation and don't go back. It's definitely not worth, again, putting yourself at any kind of risk or anything like that. But sometimes it's kind of out there. Like you, you never know. Again, you never know what you'll encounter sometimes in this industry. All right. The next kind of uncomfortable or awkward situation that's common to encounter as a professional organizer are sometimes, you know, strange odors, strange smells. It's actually pretty common. Think about it. Like if you, I mean, and I'll, I'll say this, every home has them. I mean, it's very, very rare. I've been in more homes as a professional organizer and as a realtor than probably most people. So I'm just in people's homes all the time. And even some really beautiful homes sometimes have strange smells. And it doesn't mean that the people are filthy or dirty or terrible or anything like that. It just homes do. So think about it. If you're hired to help someone clear out maybe a musty basement or storage shed or attic or kids playroom, I think sometimes they're (laughs) sometimes the smelliest. Um, It's just something that you're going to encounter. Again, just like with the personal items, just be very, very respectful of your clients. Um, If it's feasible, if you can open a door or window a little bit, if not, maybe just taking some frequent breaks and just kind of stepping outside, taking a fresh breath of air. If anything gets, again, maybe a little too pungent or maybe even getting bordering on a little bit of unhealthy, then that's probably when you are going to want to address it with your client. And for instance, um, on that note, if I ever saw signs of like pests or something, then I have stopped a session to say, hey, look, I noticed some like mouse droppings or um, we have here in the desert uh, black widows. I've seen a lot of black widows. These are actually kind of this could be a potentially a little bit of a, a health hazard or a danger. So could you mind tackling this, getting a pest control company out here, handling it, and then we'll resume the session when once it's all remedied. So again, it's okay to sort of address an issue if it is something that may be a health hazard. But again, sometimes this can be a little bit of a smelly job. So just be prepared. All right. The next thing that's actually kind of common and very uncomfortable to deal with, especially if you're a people pleaser like I can be, is when someone makes a rude comment to you or complains. So rude comments and complaints. I (laughs) can sometimes be an absolute paralytic fear of getting a rude comment or complaint. And in fact, I know even like with the podcast and stuff, my husband's like put a moratorium on me following all of, you know, the comments and stuff because people just say crazy stuff out there or on my Instagram or whatever. It can get like, like paralyzing with fear at like, I don't want it. I don't want someone to say something mean to me. And so I will say this, especially when it comes to professional organizing, here's what you're going to encounter a lot. Are people going to love your work? Yes. Are they going to tell you? Not always. It's actually kind of funny. Um, You'll do a beautiful job. You'll just work your tail off for a client, be super proud of the work. And 
to me, the worst is when they say nothing because you have no idea. And it's obvious to me that that's, they're just really upset and I did a terrible job because my mind will go to automatically the worst, right? But it has happened before when someone has sent a comment and I was like, hmm, so maybe I got a text message and I was like, wow, what does this mean? Well, how do you handle it? What do you do with that? Here's what I'm going to tell you to do. And again, if you don't like confrontation, you're going to be saying, no way, no way will I ever do that. But I promise you, do it, do this. So say I got a, a comment from somebody and or a complaint and I was like, wow, where did this come from? Especially if it's something that's completely unexpected. What I learned to do is to take some time and go meet that person in person, like as soon as I possibly could. So for instance, if someone had something to say, I'm like, oh my gosh, well, you know what? Hey, let's address this tomorrow. I'll, I'm going to be in your neighborhood at 930. Do you mind if I stop by for just a minute so we can tackle this? And a lot of times they'll actually say yes. And when you show up, I tell you, it's a completely different experience than what you would think. Here's sort of what happens, and we're all sort of guilty of this. Think about it. When you're driving down the street, I mean, we're always super gutsy, and we'll say things to the car who cut us off that we would never say to that person face-to-face, right? It's kind of the same when it comes to comments. So when I have addressed something and was brave enough to go and face them, it almost always turned out not to be a complaint or a rude comment at all. Because I think sometimes there's so much that's lost in translation when it comes to the way that we communicate nowadays through text messages and emails and such. So when I got something and I was like, ooh, ouch, and I went was able to meet with that person because, again, I'm a professional, I want to address it, it actually was a great way to just sort of be like, oh, that was actually nothing. I think their tone just came across really weird in the text message. And what I actually found out, like, for instance, maybe they wanted just to point out like, hey, you know, um, I said this, maybe you didn't hear me a lot of times realizing it was a miscommunication. And then it was remedied. And then it also gave the opportunity for you to ask questions, to have a little bit more communication with your client, and also the client to say, hey, super happy with X, Y, and Z that you did. It was just this one thing that I had a question about, or I wasn't sure why it didn't get done or whatever. So again, generally speaking, now it's not 100%, but people, we as humans are usually kinder to each other face to face because we're all a little bit like a little bit nervous and we don't want to just come across as mean or rude. So I really encourage you if you can, it's great practice to address some of this stuff face to face with your client. Yes, a phone call is almost as good. But again, it's can come across as sometimes a little bit impersonal. But if you can't address something face-to-face with a client, then I definitely encourage you to at least make that phone call. So if somebody sends me um, a text message, they're getting a phone call right away from me so that we can have a discussion about it. Now, what I don't want you to do when it comes to rude comments or complaints is to get defensive or to send back a response via text. So it's okay for you to say, hey, you got this comment, maybe you've called them, you've addressed it, or say they're still not available. I want you to address them in an email. Say, hey, I got the text message that you sent me, I'm going to send an email. And here's why, again, you're setting yourself apart as a professional. I actually despise text messages. And especially if it's something where you're really trying to get something resolved, you need resolution. I think text is the worst way to go about it. Again, a lot gets lost in translation with the tone and there's can be just so much miscommunication um, through it. So I do think last resort, if you still can't get that person on the phone 
or face-to-face, a face-to-face meeting with them, send an email. It looks much more professional. I want you to ask some questions because I want you to take it as an opportunity to learn. Again, like I said, when you're meeting face-to-face, person-to-person, take it as a learning opportunity. Let go of your defenses. You can learn. You can grow as a professional organizer. Understand that there was perhaps a miscommunication. Take responsibility for it and let them know how it's going to be better going forward. That's the best way to handle it. And you can tell them, I'm not saying completely ignore the text message. You can send them a message and say, hey, I'm going to shoot you an email about this. Because again, I think it just looks way better. And again, you're a professional organizer. Remember that. Okay. The next sometimes awkward situation that's actually very common as a professional organizer are when you get requests that are sort of outside of your scope of duties, outside of your wheelhouse, if you will. How do you handle those? Well, for me, (laughs) I learned very quickly what I was willing to do and not to do. And people will always ask you. So for instance, some of the comments are, excuse, uh, excuse me, requests that I would get as that were sort of kind of outside of my scope of duties as a professional organizer were, can you watch my kids? No. Will you clean my house? No. There's a definite difference between what we do as professional organizers and cleaning a house for most of us. Some businesses out there do both, but not mine. And will you drive me somewhere? No, no. So those were some of the things that were actually pretty common. And it was just a no. Bottom line, just like asking for money, it was no period, no explanation, no justification. Now on the flip side, I will say, don't say no to everything. Consider some stuff. I had a wonderful, wonderful client that I worked with early on. And she super was super happy with me. I helped her pack up her home. She put on the market, sold it, helped her move into the new home, managed the movers for her. Worked with her for probably two or three months. So off and on for about two or, two or three months. One day she asked me, would you help with a um, bridal shower? And I was like, what? And she said, you are very organized. You kind of, you've kept me together through this whole move. I have a friend whose daughter's getting married. Would you help them organize the the bridal shower? And I was like, um, okay, sure. What does that entail? So she gave me the lady's number. And basically she just needed someone to go to, they were having at a restaurant to go set up everything, set up the game, sort of MC the games. And I was like, Uh, yeah, I could totally do that. I charged my same rate. It worked out great. So during that, she said, hey, would you be willing to help at at the rehearsal, or not rehearsal dinner, the after the wedding dinner? What is that called? It was just at another restaurant. But anyway, again, while everyone's at the wedding, it would be great for you to go and just make sure everything is ready to go, that the restaurant's on time, you know, that the cake arrived, that kind of thing. And so I was like, yeah, sure. So I, they hired me. I went and helped them with that. A year later, I got a call and they, the, the young couple was having their first baby. So they asked me to help with the baby shower. And I was like, sure. You know, by this time I had really gotten to know the family and it was a really, really fun experience. It was sort of outside of my normal scope of duties Um, it was actually a lot of fun. So, and again, I got paid at the same rate that I would have like organizing someone's garage. So for a hot minute, I thought, well, maybe I want to kind of do some event planning type of stuff. And then I started down that road and then decided, no, 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 that, that wasn't for me. So, but at least it kind of got me thinking about all of the different things that I could do as a professional organizer. On another one, real quick, I had a client and it led from organizing her parents' house to organizing her house to doing some personal assistant tasks for her for, again, about two and a half years, I think I worked with her, being her um, personal assistant. Loved it. Absolutely loved doing personal assisting work, just keeping 
this amazing person that I just loved and adored and totally like on task. Her fiance loved me because I took a lot of her stress off her plate. And then when they could go to dinner, he she could be super relaxed and that type of stuff. So I ac- absolutely loved the personal assisting. So you never kind of know where this industry can take you. So if it feels like something that's interesting, say yes to it. Give it a shot. Try it out. But definitely know what you will not do. And again, don't apologize for saying no to the other stuff. All right. TMI. What about the clients with the TMI? Too much information. So this happens a lot with clients, um, especially when it comes to like sentimental stuff. And it's kind of a tricky situation as a professional organizer because you know you're on the clock. And you know you're on the clock and you're two hours into a project and your client has managed to get through one and a half boxes in the garage. And you're totally panicking because you told them you could get this garage, you know, part done in four hours. And you probably have 16 more boxes to go through. So you're in panic mode and your client won't stop telling you about every trinket and telling you the story. And personally... I love my TMI clients. I'm a naturally nosy person. So I love like, I just love learning about people. I love hearing stories. I think people are funny. And so I actually kind of enjoyed it. And then I'd have like panic mode when I was like, oh my gosh, we've been here almost two hours and we have so much to do. So how do you overcome that? How do you get your client moving? Well, you have to kind of gauge who your client is. So first, sort of nudge the situation say hey look we've we only have two hours left of our session and we've only gotten through two boxes we probably need to pick up the pace a little bit a lot of times that'll just sort of remedy itself and the client's like oh gosh we need to get you out of here let's start moving so sometimes they'll move along other times you'll try that tactic and the client's like oh yeah we need to move along but they don't and they go back to sort of back to too much information. Well, then you're going to realize you're going to have to maybe take it up a notch as a professional organizer. Because again, they hired you to sort of be there and gave you sort of some permission to take charge of the situation to keep them moving along. So in a very kind manner, maybe you just want to get a chair for your client and say, hey, I'm going to make you comfortable right here. I'm going to have you go through these things while I work on these items over here. So again, you're kind of letting them sort of spend time. You're kind of half hearing their stories while you start working on the stuff that you know that you can get through. The third situation that might happen with this is you may say, hey, oh my gosh, we only have two hours left. And they completely ignore you. And they don't care that they have two hours left. They want to tell somebody their stories. And they appreciate the fact that you are there. So sometimes, and that's actually kind of uncommon, but it does happen. You'll have that client that's just the storyteller. So you just embrace and you listen and you work alongside them at the pace that they're comfortable at working at. And usually they'll just have you back because again, you've helped them so much. And I've had clients like that one in particular, she was, we worked with her probably the last two years of her life. And you know what? It's actually really special. She's someone I actually think about from time to time because she was such a storyteller. And you know what? What a precious gift to be able to give to somebody um, who is at that stage of life where they just want to share their memories with another human being. So figure out where your client's at, give them a little nudge, kind of push them along to see. They'll tell you who they're, where they're at. And you know what? Just go along with where they're comfortable at. All right. When I do the one-on-one coaching with with, um, professional organizers, a lot of them will ask me, Janelle, what do you wear? What do you wear as a professional organizer? So here's what my advice is to you. When you're doing the assessment, that's really where you want to dress up. So that first meet and greet, that first impression is where you really want to look very professional, very cute. 
I think of it as like when you're going to a really nice dinner or lunch with like girlfriends or maybe date night with your husband, like not date night, like dressing up, going to the strip kind of date night, but like maybe a cute top with some jewelry, cute sandals, cute shoes, maybe jeans. Jeans are totally fine as long as they're very like a dark colored or very nice and neat looking. Um, preferably some kind of slacks or something. So you want to look neat. You want to look put together. By all means, this is a very creative industry. So show your personality. Show your personality of who you are. So that's what I would suggest that you wear on assessments. What I would avoid you wearing on assessments are tennis shoes. Don't wear tennis shoes. I have like a pet peeve about this. I had someone show up to an interview one time and just like tennis shoes and jeans and a frumpy top. And it just, I'm like, uh uh-uh, you just, that's not how you show up to a job interview. So again, that assessment is an interview and it's probably the first time that they're seeing you in person. It's not necessary to do a business suit or heels. And I will say that pretty much across the board um, in pretty much every market across the U.S., even in... um, very affluent markets. Um, It's kind of a little bit overkill. What we do for a living, I mean, we're like climbing on ladders, crawling under desks. We're, you know, carrying boxes. And so sometimes you can kind of do a little bit of overkill with a dress on that assessment. So definitely I would avoid like heels or any type of formal business suit or anything like that. I think it's completely unnecessary in my humble opinion. So what should you wear to the actual sessions? Here's what I like. I have like a, I had like a uniform for myself and that uniform was simply a black t-shirt, a black plain t-shirt. I had long sleeve and short sleeve, depending on the weather, always pulled my hair back, um, kept jewelry to a minimum. If I wore earrings, they were just little stud earrings. And for pants, I liked a dark jean or a black structured legging. What do I mean by structured? When you bend over, it shouldn't be (laughs) see-through. That's what I mean. So you can find kind of like the, the leggings that are a little bit thicker material. And that just, you can move around with. I actually like those a lot and stuff or it looked really just neat, black and black. I also just liked a black tennis shoe or a dark tennis shoe towards the end of my organizing career. Tell True story. I have to tell you guys this. I learned the hard way to make sure I wore a tennis shoe with a sock. Um, I had these shoes I was absolutely in love with called Jambu. It was a brand. They didn't have to wear a sock and it was they were so stinking comfortable. They were actually really, really cute. I got a lot of compliments on them. But what I realized is that not everybody wants you to wear shoes in their home. And so I did have a few instances where I was invited or working in a home and they asked me to take my shoes off at the door and I didn't have any socks. And so I was just super paranoid about like having smelly feet um, during the session. So I always made sure to take a pair of socks with me or wear some shoes that have socks. So again, I think it's very important for you to kind of um, look like you're there to work, that you have reverence and respect for the house and for your client. So always look very neat and tidy. Um, If you have business t-shirts that are really cute, fun with your logo, I think that's absolutely fine and fantastic. I wouldn't necessarily, again, wear those to the assessment. Again, I would look like you're dressed neatly and professionally for the assessment to make a really good first impression. So those are my uh, opinions about what you should be wearing as a professional organizer. Okay, I have two more. Number one, or the next one, not number one. The next one is high emotions. So what about that couple that you need to go help them with their garage and you get there for the assessment and The one spouse is like, that's all their stuff. They never, it's been there for years. They never take care of it, blah, blah, blah. And then the other spouse starts bickering back and forth. And you're like, oh, this is going to be super fun. So you decide to take the job. You get in there on that first session and it's like opening a Pandora's box of all kinds of emotions. 
What do you do as a professional organizer? How do you handle it? Here's how I want you to handle it. Number one, if it's really kind of emotion, you know, you can address it in a very polite way. So for instance, when people start crying, that is something that is actually very common. It's okay to just sort of take a moment, kind of, you know, I kind of am quiet. And then if I need to just sort of maybe go get a tissue or just put my hand on their shoulder and say, hey, I'm going to give you just a few minutes and um, and then we'll get started again, okay? And a lot of times it would sort of remedy itself and they would say, no, 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 I'm fine. I just, let's keep moving. Um, if it's a couple arguing, it's fine. I mean, depending on the level of arguing too, um, just keep working for the most part. If it gets to be where it's really uncomfortable and they're really going at it, maybe just step outside. That might be sort of a trigger of um, them realizing that they're getting to a level that's a little bit uncomfortable. And these, I know sometimes these are sort of some passive ways, but again, you're working in someone's home. So it's unlike like a, another type of work situation where you're, you can be in charge or in control. We really do need to have respect and reverence for our clients' homes. So there's just some really easy ways to just sort of communicate like, hey, I see you, I recognize this, but I'm not going to bring a lot of attention and I'm going to give you some privacy and a little bit of space right now because maybe that's all it takes to to do that. But really, quite honestly, uh, for the most part, that usually will sort of take care of itself if you just, especially if it gets to the point where you just decide to step out for a moment um, and let the emotions kind of come down. Um, I actually have no examples of where it didn't work before. So, but of course, if somebody starts getting crazy or whatever, again, your safety and your health are always priority. So walk away. Okay, the last thing that I wanted to cover that can be super, super uncomfortable or awkward is when you feel like you've made this great connection with a client and they've ghosted you. It happens more than you can imagine in this industry. So let's talk about that for a minute because I actually, this is another topic I've gone on uh, that I've had on a lot of my one-on-one coaching calls with clients. Okay, what happens when someone just stops responding? Like you thought you did a phenomenal job. They loved it. They sang your praises. You send a follow-up text. You didn't hear anything. You send another, nothing. You call, it goes to voicemail. They never call you back. And you're like, what on earth? What what happened? So here's what I want to say about that. First and foremost, easier said than done. Try not to take it too personally. I mean, it happens. It happens more often than you realize. A lot of times what's happening with the clients from the client's perspective is this is overwhelming. Maybe this is overwhelming mentally or emotionally. Maybe this even cost more money than they had anticipated. You have no idea what's going on with them when it comes to that. So try not to take it personally. I would generally say like, oh, I guess that's something going on with them. Totally just accepted that and that's how it was. Um, the other thing that I encourage you to do is keep their information and stay in contact with them. So this is definitely something, obviously, it's a great lead source. So when if you're building your database of clients, when you do have a little bit of a valley, because you know, small business peaks and valleys, sometimes we're like, on top of the world, other times we're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going out of business. So when you're in the valleys, that's when you're supposed to be nurturing your database and really kind of going out there to um, really reconnect and touch base with those clients again. So keep their information because we're not going to keep it personal. Put their information into a database. It could be an Excel spreadsheet. It can be an email marketing campaign website or whatever it is that you want to do. And then have a few notes like super loved the work that I did um, back in June of 2020 and um, 
we'll reconnect again on this day. And just send a little card. So sometimes you can just send a little text message that says like, hey, was thinking about you. Hope that project is going really well. If you have any questions, if you have anything else, would love to help you again. Hope you're doing well. And so again, the biggest thing is just don't take it personal. And trust me, when you see (laughs) how many times this happens, I can't count how many times. Not only did I do an assessment for somebody, booked a session, confirmed the session the day before, found myself ringing their doorbell, and they don't answer. I mean, that happens more than you can think. And again, I as frustrating as it was, it was just something that was like, okay, for whatever reason, they're just not in the place to do this. Think about it. Think of put yourself always in your client's situation. I mean, this is a very, what we do is very difficult for a lot of people. Not everybody can organize. Not everybody can certainly organize for other people. So again, don't take it personal. Just keep them, keep a database of clients, go back, have remarket to them, have some touch points with them throughout your business cycle. And I hope and wish you guys the absolute best in this industry. This is one of the best things that I have ever, ever done was to start One Organized Mama and to now have the podcast and see with how many people it's helped me connect with is just icing on top of the cake. So I want to thank you again for listening to the One Organized Mama podcast. Remember, I'm getting too big for my britches. So if you'd like to connect with me, visit my website, see maybe you can take one of my online courses and you can hear my voice. You can have that pre-recorded videos in here over and over again telling you um, how to organize or to manage your time in your life. And like I said, I am offering one-on-one coaching from time to time. So if you want a face-to-face, I could do Zoom or I could do phone call. Certainly happy to help you with that as well. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, have a great week.